Let me just read a quote to you. On a flight from Chicago to London, several passengers aboard Captain Rayford Steele's plane suddenly and mysteriously disappear. When Steele radios London to report the situation, he discovers that the incident on his plane is not an isolated phenomenon, but a worldwide occurrence. As Steele begins to search for answers, he learns that the Christ has come, and he's come to take the faithful with him in preparation for the coming apocalyptic battle between good and evil. That quote is a promotional um, teaser uh, from the series of books called Left Behind. Uh, There are seven books in all, and what they promote is what is called dispensational premillennialism, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about that, but it's a, it's a view of end times that they believe, uh, the Bible upholds, and it's a view in which someday Jesus is going to secretly come back, and without any warning, those who are his faithful are gonna just disappear. They're gone. And it will leave the world in chaos. I mean, I hope you're not on an airplane when a Christian pilot is piloting that airplane because you're going down if, if you are. If you're in a car and, uh, you know, think of what's going to happen on the highways when all the Christians leave their cars and things go out of control and, and lives are lost. And think of what that would be. Well, that's what this um, series of books was all about. Uh, they were written by uh, two guys. Uh, Tim LaHaye was one, and Jerry Jenkins was the other author. And uh, there are seven books in all. They've made, been made into a movie, but there's another that has just come out this week uh, promoting this uh, end-time apocalyptic thing, the rapture, that uh, we have often heard about. Not only is this a a relevant thing because it's in in our theaters right now and everybody's talking about it and and no doubt you'll be talking to friends who have seen the movie and and may need to be able to talk with them about these things, but it it is maybe even especially uh, confusing or um, maybe misleading because a member of the church, a a well-known member of the church, is one of the executive producers of this and has been promoting this as, you know, uh, the way the world's going to come to an end and, and uh, we need to get on board and get ready. And, and uh, he has been 100% behind this. And so, you know, here we are. We're just trying to do what's right and follow Jesus and be ready for when he comes back. And we see this being portrayed as the way the end will come. And don't think that we're not influenced by what Hollywood does. I mean, that's oftentimes what we see on that screen is how we picture it. And it becomes to be as real to us as if the Bible itself said it. And to add to that, you know, you have a brother in Christ that is very popular and highly recognized. And we try to identify with he's a brother, you know, and and, and he's behind it saying this is what it's going to be like. And to briefly... Um, talk about the rapture and what the Bible actually teaches. And so that's, that's what we're going to be doing uh, this morning. Let's, let's begin with just this question. What is the rapture? Uh, maybe you've heard that question. Uh, 
Well, it, to just summarize it or to sum it up, the rapture is a belief about end times that says basically this. It's a part of this dispensational premillennialism. But here's, let me just give you an overview real quickly. Jesus was going to set up a kingdom on earth, and he came 2,000 years ago to do that very thing. But they didn't make him king. Instead, they nailed him to a cross. And so Jesus established a church, and the church is to hold us over, uh, kind of a, a temporary thing to hold us, to keep us, uh, you know, going, not to give up on Jesus. He's, he's coming back, and, and when the time is right, Jesus is going to come back again and, and set up a, a kingdom. But prior to his coming back again, there's going to be a time of tribulation, we're told such as has never been seen before. And God, being merciful, is not going to let his children endure that. And so right before the tribulation happens, God is just going to, like, rapture, which the word means to snatch. God is going to snatch us up out of the world. We're just going to be gone in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. And the only people that are going to be left on the earth are wicked people. And what will the world be like with nobody but wicked people? And it's awful. And it's awful for that time, for a period of time, and then Jesus will come back and set up his kingdom. But we're going to miss that period of tribulation. So uh, as the promoters of this movie and these books are trying to get across, hey, you need to get your life right because you don't want to be around for the tribulation. You want to be raptured up with the saved. That's basically the rapture. It's interesting to note that this view of premillennialism did not even exist prior to the 1800s. This is a new doctrine. We've heard about it probably all of our lives. We've, we've met and known people that talk about the rapture and premillennialism and, and people just disappearing. Uh, you've seen bumper stickers for years. In case of the rapture, this car will be driverless, you know, those kind of uh, things. But more than 200 years ago, no one ever even heard of this. It is a new, well, made view of end times. And so what we do this morning is to just real quickly look at some passages that people allegedly say, these passages support the rapture, what we're talking about. There is a time when Jesus is going to secretly come and all the righteous people are gone and leave the world wondering, where in the world did everybody go? Is that true? Really? Is that the way it's going to work? Well, the answer to that is no. That is not anywhere taught in Scripture. I know that a word doesn't have to appear in Scripture for that concept to be a biblical concept, but the word rapture might be surprising to a lot of people that the word is never, ever, even once mentioned in Scripture. This is a doctrine that uh, a lot of people hold and believe, but it is not what the Bible teaches so let's look at just three passages this morning real quickly that, and get your Bibles and look with me. Uh, so because you're going to have opportunity, no doubt, because of the movie and all the things that are going on, to talk and to engage your neighbors and your friends about 
what the Bible actually teaches on this, and, and maybe you'll have some opportunities that this lesson will help you in. Matthew chapter 24 is a passage that is uh, appealed to as, see, there is a rapture, there is a tribulation, Matthew chapter 24 says so. In fact, look at Matthew chapter 24 and verse 21. In that passage, it says, For then there will be a great tribulation such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor ever shall be. See, right there's the tribulation. I mean, there's going to come a time when God is going to take the righteous out of the world, and we'll get to that part. And the reason he's taking us out is so that we don't have to endure this great tribulation that's coming. Jesus said it's coming. Well, yes, he did speak of a tribulation. But what is he talking about in context of Matthew 24? Go back and Jesus has, has ended chapter 23 and he's come down and, and he's pronounced a judgment at the very end of chapter 23 on the city of Jerusalem because they had rejected him as the son of God. And so he said, you know what? Because of that, your house is going to be left desolate. And then he looks at the temple and he says, you know what? Not one stone shall be left upon another here. And so the disciples asked the question, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of thy coming in the end of the age? I don't know if the disciples understood that they were asking two questions, but they were. And so Jesus answers them in order. They were wanting to know, when is this temple going to be destroyed? And maybe they thought, you know, an event that might just mean everything's done at that time. I don't know. But I do know how Jesus answered them. And he answers them twice. When will these things be? What things? Well, Jesus just said, this whole temple here is just going to be knocked down. Everything you see here is just going to be knocked down, left desolate. When will these things be, Jesus? And so that's the answer that he starts to give them in Matthew 24. And he says, here are some signs that are going to lead up to this. There's going to be wars and rumors of wars and pestilence and the love of people will grow cold. And, and um, then he says, but, you know, the end is not yet. But when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel, he says, then that's when it's time. It's going to happen. If you want to know what the abomination of desolation is, you just turn to Luke chapter 20, and it says, he tells us what it is. It's, it's when the armies surround the city of Jerusalem. And he said, when you see that happen, he said, if you're on the rooftop, don't go down and get your stuff. Just run from rooftop to rooftop to top and, and get out of the town. And he said, uh, if you're in the outside of the city, don't run back and get anything. Just keep going. And um, boy, I sure hate it if you're pregnant during that time. And, and I sure hope we, we it not be on a Sabbath day because they closed the, closed the, the city gates on that day. Question. What difference would it make if we're talking about the end of time? What difference would it make if we're talking about the the coming of the Lord, whether you're pregnant or not, whether you're on the house or in a field or whether it's Sabbath day, it makes no difference at all, but it makes every difference if he's talking about not the coming of Jesus, but a coming invasion on the city of Jerusalem. The tribulation that he's talking about in this passage has already happened. It happened in AD 70 when the Roman army surrounded the city of Jerusalem and besieged that city and 
and took that city and countless lives were lost. But the Christians escaped because they listened to what what Jesus said here. So this passage about a tribulation has nothing to do with something that happened. That's a misapplication of that passage. That passage is talking about the city of Jerusalem and the destruction that Jesus said is going to happen. And he said, it's going to be such a tribulation like nothing ever seen. And it was. It's already happened. Yeah, but what about verse 40 and 41? Would you look a little further down? He said, there are two men who will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. See, right there's your rapture. Jesus is going to come back and one's going to be taken and the other is going to be left. And, and so there you have the, the rapture. That's not what it's saying. If you'll back up, the first part of this chapter deals with the destruction of Jerusalem. When will these things be? Well, here are the signs. But now he's going to address what will it be like when I come again? My final coming, verse 36. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they didn't know until the flood came and took them away. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. The point that Jesus is making is this. There is going to be a division when he comes. We, we, he talks about it in the next chapter over. The There's a division between those who will be accepted by God and those who will be rejected by God. And I, I find it actually interesting that if you look at the comparison, he's talking about it'll be as in the days of Noah. Who was it in the days of Noah that were lost. It was those who were taken. Look at the text. That's what it says in verse 39. They didn't know until the flood came and took them away. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be today. All it's saying is that there's going to be a division. There are going to be some who are taken and others who are going to be left. Not left out of the, the, the event... They're just not the chosen ones. You know, we may uh, say, let's play some pickup basketball, and I'm going to have a team, and I'll be a captain, and Kyle Rhodes will be a captain, and so we start picking, and somebody's going to end up being last. You know, and, and um, or maybe I'll say, well, let me just pick five. I'll pick my five, and, and so I took some, and I left the others. Does the fact that I left the others mean that they don't get to play? They're not going to be on my team. They're not going to be with me. And that's what is being described here. Just as in the days of Noah where some were taken and others weren't, and just as the sheep and the goats will be separated in chapter 25, there are going to be people who are going about their daily business, going to work just like they always do, and one's going to be accepted and the other's not. That's all that's meant by that. Turn in your Bible to Revelation. Uh, well, we could, just Revelation chapter 1 to begin with. But throughout the entire book of Revelation, there is so much discussion about war 
and tribulation and bloodshed and martyrdom and all of this, the, the, the world, the plagues and the bowls of wrath and all this imagery of, man, what in the world is going to happen here? This is, this is scary. And they say that that's describing this period of the great tribulation. But be thankful. God is going to take you out of the world. You're going to be raptured away, and you won't see any of this stuff in the book of Revelation. Well, let me suggest this. You won't see the stuff that is discussed in the book of Revelation with all the wrath and the, and the tribulation and all this kind of thing. You know why? Because it's already happened. Any reading of the book of Revelation that ignores what the book of Revelation, what Jesus says at the very beginning of the book is incorrect. So many people go to the book of Revelation to find out what's going to happen tomorrow and next year and, and six months down the road, and they're looking at the book of Revelation as if it predicts what's going to happen in 2015. But that's not what Jesus said the book of Revelation was written for. Turn in your Bible to Revelation chapter 1, and we have it here. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place. In the first century, when Jesus gave this revelation to John, he said, what I'm going to share with you are things that must shortly take place. Not still 2,000 years from now. And he goes on and he says, And I sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus to all things that he saw. So this book will be a little bit different than the other books in the Bible because it's going to be a book that is signified. It's not going to be narrative. It's not going to just be plain, flat-out, straight-out reading. Uh, It's going to be different. It's going to be written in signs and symbols. It's signified. So what do we have so far? Jesus said, I'm going to give you a book, and it's going to be in signs and symbols, but it's going to be about some things that must shortly take place. Look at verse 3. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. You see, go to, to, to go to the book of Revelation and try to find out what's going to happen in 2014 or 2015 or 2016 about end-time events and, and trying to put this puzzle all together and this tribulation and the, the bloodshed and the wars and all that, you're missing the point. Jesus said, these things have already happened. As we read it, it's history. It hadn't yet happened to them yet, But it was about to, and it did. The saints in those early centuries suffered terrible persecution. They were beheaded. They were fed to lions. They were were martyred for holding to their faith in Jesus. It was a terrible time to be a Christian. The persecution was great. It was live or deny Jesus, or die or deny Jesus. They had to make choices. Actually, Revelation chapter 7 and verse 14 says that they came through. John said, as he saw these people standing before God and praising God, the angel said, you know who these folks are? And he said, tell me. And he said, they were those who came out of the tribulation. You see, there's, whenever the word tribulation is used in the Bible, 
the motif or the, the example uh, uh, that God has given us with reference to persecution and tribulation, did God ever just like lift us up and mo- remove us from it, or did he see us through it? Did God remove Job from tribulation? No, but he was with him as he went through it. Did God remove the children of Israel from tribulation? No, but he was with them as they endured it. Does God remove Noah from tribulation? No, he was on that ark, and God was with him and saw him through it. Did God remove Nadab and Abihu or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from tribulation? No, but he was with them as they went through it. Where do we ever get the idea? And what about those first century Christians? Did God remove them from tribulation or was he with them and promised that even though if you give your life, you will reign with me? See, God has never, it's not been his thing to say, well, oh, you know, I'm not going to let tribulation face my children. God has never built a hedge around us to protect us from wickedness, but he promises to be with us through tribulation. This model of, end, of the end time says when, when hardship comes, God won't let anything touch us. He'll just take us away and we won't have to face any. The book of Revelation is the wrong place to go for support for end times. That's a book now today, as we read it, it's a book of history of how the early church endured that persecution. Turn one to one, to one more passage, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And verses 16 through 17. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Oh, see, there's the rapture. The dead in Christ are going to rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet them, to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we'll all be with the Lord. See, there's your rapture. The dead in Christ and then those who are alive, they're going to just rise up and meet the Lord in the air. But folks, this isn't about a rapture of just the righteous. Look at the context. Here's what, this is, this is a word of comfort to those first century Christians. He said, I don't want you to be ignorant, verse 13, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. You see, there were some who thought, what if I die before Jesus comes back? Am I going to miss out on all this? What about my father and mother, my husband, my children? What about those who have already died? Did they miss the resurrection? Did they miss out on all this because they're not going to be alive when he comes back? Paul says, "Don't." I want to tell you about what happens to those who have fallen asleep. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. You see, those people who die, their body's in the ground, but their spirit goes to be with the Lord. It's in paradise. And so when Jesus does come again, he's bringing them with him. Those saints that have deceased that we have attended their funerals, they're not going to be left out. They're not going to miss anything. 
Jesus is going to bring them with him when he comes again. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. There isn't any special advantage to being alive. They died. They're not going to miss out on anything. In fact, he said, we're not going to be any, any ahead of them because we're alive when the Lord comes again. He said, because this is what's going to happen. The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise. You see, he brings their spirits back. There's a resurrection. They rise. And then we who are alive and remain, we're going to be caught up with them. And so shall we, and get this, so shall we ever be with the Lord. You see, those who teach this rapture say that we're only going to be gone for seven years and then we're all going to come back. Now, you know, why and how, you know, that's for another time. But I'm just telling you, that's what they say. Jesus is going to come, rapture those out of the world, and then in seven years we're coming back to the earth. How's that verse read? And so shall they be with the Lord for seven years. No. So shall they ever be with the Lord. This passage doesn't support a rapture either. Let let me tell you what the Bible says is going to happen when Jesus does come again. His coming is going to be visible, and it's going to be audible. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 11, as the disciples were gathered together and Jesus was with them, and he just lifted up right from amidst their presence. Can you imagine what that must have been like to stand there and the guy you're talking to, there he goes, up he goes. And they're just standing there, and an angel comes and says, Why do you stand gazing at the heavens? Well, I can tell. I I know why. That's what I'd be doing, wouldn't you? Wow. And he said, You know, that same Jesus that just ascended in this manner, when he comes again, he's going to descend in the same way. Well, did they see him ascend? Yes. And he's going to come back in the same way way. We're told that the rapture is going to be secret. Nobody's going to have any idea what happened. We're just going to wake up one morning and all the good people are going to be gone. All the Christians are gone and we're, we're scratching our heads saying, what in the world? What, what took place? What happened to these guys on this airplane? How did we lose people on an airplane? They don't have any idea what has taken place. But according to the Bible, when Jesus comes again, they'll see it. It'll be a visible thing. It'll be audible. Look at what we just read in 1 Thessalonians, how that there will be a shout from heaven, the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God. Revelation 1 and verse 7 says that when Jesus returns, that every eye shall behold him. Even those who pierced his side, they'll see him too. The whole idea of a rapture, a secret rapture, a secret snatching away, That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says when Jesus comes again, it will be visible and it will be audible and that all the dead, righteous and unrighteous, shall rise at the same time. Turn in your Bible to John chapter 5 and look at what John, Jesus says in John chapter 5. He's speaking of the resurrection And he says in verse 28, he says, Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth. 
those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. That passage says that when people rise, everybody's rising. It's not just the righteous that are going to be risen. It's all the righteous and the unrighteous. When Jesus comes back and those graves are open, everybody's coming forth, not just the righteous. The Bible says that those who are alive when he comes back will be changed. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51 and 52. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we're going to lose our physical bodies as they are, and it will be changed into an incorruptible body. The Bible tells us when Jesus comes back that the earth will be destroyed. Again, turn in your Bible to 2 Peter chapter 3. You know, when Jesus comes back, it's not going to be a rapture of the saints and then people are going to be in a mess for seven years because there's no godly people on the earth. That's not what Jesus says will happen when he comes back. Listen to what it says. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 10, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. There's no earth to hang around on when Jesus comes back. He's coming back, and when he comes back, with this place. And then there will be the judgment of God. Acts 17, verses 30 and 31, The Lord has appointed a day in which he will judge the world according to righteousness. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10 says that when that day comes, we'll all stand before the judgment seat of God and we'll give account of the deeds that we've done, whether they be good or bad. And then we're destined for our destiny, eternity. There's quite a difference between a novel, far-fetched theory of this rapture and tribulation, and in what the Bible actually says will will happen. As I said, there there are friends, and you know, you may go see it, and you may have open doors of discussion concerning what the Bible says, and and hopefully some things that we've shared with you will at least give you some talking points with them to ask them to consider. But here's what I want to end with. There is a day when Jesus is coming again. When he comes again, no one's going to get left behind. We're all going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air and we'll be judged. Are you ready for that judgment? If Jesus did come back today, what if he's saying, you know what, it's Sunday. I'm going to give him one one more chance I'm going to let them hear one more gospel sermon. I'm going to let them be encouraged to to turn from sin and, and turn to me one final time. You know, there will be a day, whether it's today or some other, there will be that last Sunday where we hear our last sermon preached. Are we ready? If you're not ready for the return of the Lord, get ready. Too much weighs, too much hangs in the balance. Will you sacrifice eternity 
for what? What, what is it that you're getting out of this? What, what, what sin is it that's keeping you from Christ? Whatever it is, is it worth an eternity lost in a devil's hell? It's not. That's why Isaiah says, come let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they can be white as wool. Though they be red like crimson, they can be white as snow. And that's true even today. If, if you're here this morning and you're not yet a child of God, obey the gospel. Repent of your sins. Be baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And live with assurance that no matter when he comes, you're going to be ready. And if you're a child of God already but unfaithful, and maybe there are some sins that you're harboring in your life and you, you just need to get rid of them, you need to come clean, you need the prayers of your brethren, we'll pray with you if you'll come as we stand together and sing.